Well, good morning, man. It's so good to see you guys. In fact, look at the person sitting beside you. Say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Say, glad you're here. Look back at the other person. Say, hey, I'm glad you came too. Now take me out to eat after church. You know what I'm saying? Come on, right? Man, it's so good to see you guys. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. We want to welcome our Grayson campus as well. And also, guys, for the very first time today in Ashton, we have our launch team, our meeting together, and we are now worshiping with our launch team this morning in Ashton. Can we get it for our Ashley campus? That is amazing. We love you guys, man. We're super excited about what God is going to do in the Boyd County area starting early in, you know, next year. So we're super excited about that. We're excited about Christmas this week. How many excited about Christmas this week? Come on, if you're excited about Christmas, I'm excited about Christmas. Yes, some of you are like, no, I'm not because I got to go to my crazy family's house. So that's okay. We're going to pray for you. We have a prayer chain if you want to put your name on that. And we're going to pray for you as you travel. But anyway, man, it's just so good to be over here and be worse with you. We also want to keep reminding and praying for those out in our state in Western Kentucky, uh, especially this Christmas season, who've lost everything. We actually have sent a team. We have a team there actually serving. They sent me pictures this morning, uh, cutting trees down and going through homes and helping, you know, just do all this unbelievable stuff that just so thankful that the church can be the church and uh, we're praying specific for them they're away from their family this weekend for Christmas but they wanted to go and serve the Lord and help other people so come on as as a church let's keep praying for uh, those that we have sent but also for those who have lost a lot of things this Christmas and so speaking of Christmas Christmas is gonna have a different meaning to a lot of people when you go through tragedy when you go through a situation you know I asked the question when this series calls what is Christmas a lot of times people say you know Christmas is just you know time we get presents it's a time that we have our family. It's a time that we just have off. It's just another day. I'm gonna, you know, maybe watch some, some parade or a parade or football or eat or whatever. For some people, this Christmas is gonna be a very difficult Christmas. It's the first Christmas there's an empty chair in the house. It's the first Christmas without and you fill in the blank. And so while a lot of people celebrate Christmas, there's a lot of people in, out even in West Kentucky who is gonna celebrate and not have anything. They don't have anything that's been kind of taken away from them. And so when we really grasp what is Christmas, what is the meaning, we all have our different meaning, but you will say most likely what you're going through in life. If Christmas is a bad time, Christmas is gonna have a kind of a tough meaning for you. If Christmas is great this year and things really have been going pretty well, then the Christmas is gonna have a different spin. But what we've been doing in this series is looking at what it really is Christmas. And we talked about the most famous verse in all the Bible, and that I believe probably is the most famous, at least the most well-known verse in all the Bible, and that is John 3.16. And John 3.16 says this, for God so what? He loved. And so the first week we talked about that Christmas is love. And it's not just about us loving our family, but God loved us so much that he sent his son for us. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, that Christmas is love. But God so loved the world that he gave that God was so generous that he gave his son. I told you, I have four kids, I love my kids. I would never give my kid up for you, but you shouldn't give your kid up for me. But God so loved that he, what, he was so generous that he gave. And we talked about that Christmas is about giving. And I know it's a Christmas spirit, it's all around people give and they were generous to people and they bless people, that's great, and they give gifts and stuff, but it's about God giving his son to me and to you. And today I wanna finish up this series, finishing up this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and then here's what I wanna focus on today, that whoever believes will have eternal life. Whoever believes will have eternal life. And I wanna focus on the word believe. And today the Christmas is, yes, love, Christmas is about giving, God gave his son, but Christmas is for everyone. It's for anyone, it's for whosoever, but for whosoever will believe. 
And so today I wanna focus on the word believe. What is believe? Like what does it mean to truly, truly believe and what does this word belief mean? So if you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter six. I believe this kind of sets up where I wanna go today in this, in this passage, in the message for Christmas. But in John chapter six, we're gonna walk through this word believe because I wanna make sure today that you have the right belief. In fact, all of us believe something or you wouldn't be here today. There's a certain belief. Now, we all may believe different things, but we all, we all have a belief about God. We all have a belief about something. And so I don't want no one to leave here today or no one online watching or at Ashland or Grayson to miss what it truly means to believe. Because I just wanna make sure that we all have the right belief. And when we leave here today, we understand if I do or if I don't at least have the right belief. And so in John chapter six, some amazing miracles are taking place. Jesus just took a little boy's lunch and he fed 5,000 men, the Bible counted. It didn't count the women and children. Scholars believe somewhere between 15 to 20,000 people. Jesus miraculously fed on a little boy's lunch. That's kind of crazy. Like he took a little boy's lunch and he blessed it and broke it and gave it away and multiplied it. With all those people, imagine you're part of that. You're sitting here and here's a man who could take a little bit of something and give a lot away. And so, and if you're hungry, he's gonna feed you. If you're sick, he's gonna heal you. Whatever you need, Jesus is there for you. Wouldn't that be amazing? And so all these people who were fed and, and then they went home and they were full that night were looking for Jesus the next day. Jesus sends the disciples across the lake. A storm comes. Jesus comes walking on the water. That's kind of freaky, but that's a miracle in itself. Jesus comes walking on water, and so the guys wake up the next day that he just fed. All 5,000 plus people, women and children, all these people, and they're like, hey, I'm hungry. It's breakfast time, know what I'm saying? And I gotta find Jesus because I need to be fed. But they woke up and they couldn't find him. And they're like, where could he gone? Where could he be? And they thought, maybe he went across the lake. So they go across the lake looking for Jesus. Why? Because they want their bellies full. They want somebody that says, you know what, if I just hang out with you, you'll feed me anytime you want. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Like, come on, give me some Krispy Kremes. I just want them right now. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody, right? Krispy Kremes, like right now. Like, that would be amazing. And so I just, whatever I want, Jesus was there to give it to me. And so we pick up with that story. They find Jesus, and they come after Jesus, and they said, hey, Jesus, we've been looking for you. Where are you? And Jesus looks at him and says, you're looking for me for the wrong reasons. The only reason why you want me is because I fixed the need in your life. Like, I met a need, you were hungry, and I fed your belly. That's the only reason. And a lot of times, if you think about it, that's a lot of times that people only turn to Jesus when they need them. Jesus, I'm sick. Jesus, I lost my job. Jesus, she walked out on me. Jesus, I got an addiction. Jesus, my kid's gone sideways. Jesus, I need you, right? We only bring out Jesus when we need him. And when we don't need him, we think we're okay and things are on our own because we've got everything under control. But the reality is we always need Jesus, no matter in the good times, the bad times, the mountaintops, the valleys, we always need him. But they were seeking Jesus for the wrong and with the wrong motives. So finally, Jesus kind of puts them in their place and says, you're coming for the wrong reasons. And so they asked Jesus this question, and it's found in verse 28. They asked the question this, what must we do to do the works that God requires? If you think we're only looking for you for the wrong reasons, then what does God require of us? then what do we need to do to perform miracles? What do we need to do to do the works of God? Basically, what do we must do to please God? What must I do to make God happy with me? What are some things that I can do? Jesus, just tell us that, and then maybe we could go and do our own stuff, but what is the works of God, and what does God require me? And Jesus, if you, if you know the passage in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, that really, if you wanna please God, only faith to believe in him. 
That's the only thing that pleases God. You can't please God by trying to be good because you'll never be good enough. And so many people think, man, if I just be good, then maybe when I die, I get to go to heaven. And I've said this a thousand times, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And there's a difference between trying to be good and be forgiven. But most people believe, they have a belief, if I'm good, and I'll never be good enough because where's the measuring stick? See, a lot of times we look at other people and say, well, I'm better than him. I'm definitely better than her. But man, I'm not as good as that person. That girl's a saint. I can't be as good as her. But hey, I'm serving between. But when you compare yourself to Jesus, you fall short every time. And so when you, if you're in a goodness state, compare yourself to Jesus and you realize that you'll never be good enough. And that's why God sent his son because he knew that we would never be good enough. So they asked Jesus, how do we please God? And I want you to understand, Jesus didn't say, go to church. Hey, you really wanna please God, go to church. He didn't say, read your Bible. He didn't say, start praying. He didn't say, tithe. He didn't say, serve. He didn't say any of those things that a lot of us, we would say, well, what must I do to be a good Christian? Well, you gotta pray, you gotta read your Bible, you gotta go to church and, and don't cuss or chew with date girls that do. And you know, like, I mean, come on. Like, you're gonna keep going on, right? You, you got all these lists of behaviors. You gotta be good. And so if you're good, then God's pleased with you. So they said, what, what do we gotta do to do the works of God for him to be pleased with us? And then Jesus says in verse 29, look what he says. The work of God is this. Now, Jesus, we should lean in. The work of God is this, to believe. To believe in the one he has sent, AKA while we celebrate Christmas. To believe. Wait, 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 you mean you don't have this like big laundry list of stuff I've gotta do? No, no, no. To believe, because if you believe right, you'll behave right. You only act out what you believe. So get your beliefs right and you'll get your behavior right. Believe. Believe is what pleases God. It's faith that pleases God. It's trust to believe in the one that he has sent. And so I, I looked up the statistics. It's, I remember probably about, I don't know, 12 years ago when I was talking about believing and people believing, talking about our country, it was up to 97% of Americans said they believe in God. Now, they didn't define God. God could be many things. It could be different gods that people worship. It could be different idols. But they says, do you believe there's a higher power? There's God. 97% of Americans 12 years ago believed in God, some type of higher power. Today, it's now 87. We've dropped to 87% of Americans say they believe there is some type of higher power God or something that's greater that's out there. 87%, but do they have, my question would be, do they have the right belief? Because if, if, if 87% of Americans said they believe in God, do you not think our country will look different? So to say that you believe something and then your behavior doesn't follow it means you have the wrong belief. Or are you putting your belief in the right place? The belief is not the issue. Every one of us here, everyone watching online, all of us believe something or you would not even be sitting where you're sitting. The reason why you were here is because you believed something that got you up that brought you to this place. It could be the wrong belief, that maybe if I show up on Christmas, maybe if I show up, maybe God will be pleased with me. Maybe if I go to church, then, then, then God will be happy. At least I can get by for a while. Like, why, why are you here? I'm glad you're here, but what's the belief behind it? It says to believe. You have to believe. And then it's on the screen, but in th verse 31, they go in and says, well, our ancestors said, our forefathers says, Moses said, because Moses gave us the law. So they'd be saying, I believe Moses and what Moses was doing. 
And, and, and here, here's the belief that I believe that has caught so many people up that I wanna call this morning is the inherited belief. So many of you here, you believe because of what you inherited, your belief. It's a passed down belief. Passed down what, hey, you know what my grandpa always said, what my mom always said, my dad always said, and the passed down, this inherited belief has been passed down to me. Ancestors, or your parents have passed down, but your ancestor and your parents cannot give you belief. Parents, you can teach your kid, you can train your kid, you can't save your kid. And then you, you may say, well, I, I don't understand it. Listen, you are not born a Christian. You are born a sinner. We all are. But because we think we were raised in church, we went to church, we went to church camp, I said a prayer, I checked a card, then that made me right with God. I was christened, I was baptized as an infant, you could go on and on and on, and because of that, then I was made right with God. You would not believe how many people I met, and I'll talk to them all the time, yeah, yeah, my parents, they go to church, me and God were pretty cool, as if their parents is the mediator between them and God. I met people all the time and said, hey, how's it going, talk about church. Well, you know, my dad's a deacon, and they start talking about their dad's a deacon, okay, that's great. Or they'll go, well, my grandpa's a preacher. When I was a kid, I went to his church. You know, me and God were cool. As if your grandpa being a preacher is the mediator for you to be cool with God. See, what happens is we've inherited this belief and we think because I was raised in a church or I went to a church that that makes me right with God. You know how many people, especially college students, when they come here, we have college night. It's just killing it, man. It's unbelievable. We have a couple hundred college students who will show up once a month, and we have this great, imaginative college night, and tons of college students are being saved. And you know what they say when they come up and give their life to Jesus? Hey, I've been in church. I was raised in church. Kind of got away when I went to college, but then I found this group, and I came here tonight. And finally, for the very first time, I believe. I know what my parents told me, I know what the pastor told me, but now belief has become reality to me and for the very first time, and here's what I say, I now believe on my own, not because someone told me. And so many people are saying, just because I went to church as a kid or I was raised in church, I come on Christmas, guess what, that I'm cool with God. I got the, that's an inherited belief that's been passed down to you and it's the wrong belief. Because it's between you and God, not between you and what so-and-so said to you. And they'll say, you know what, people come say, hey, I'm gonna get baptized now. And I've been baptized before when I was a kid or I was baptized as a teenager, but now I get it, understand it, and I want to do it for me for the right reasons. Not because my parents made me. And so many people have the wrong belief. And they said, you know what, I've got inherited beliefs, so I'm pretty cool with it. And that's what we see happening right here. Moses said, Moses taught us, and Jesus is like, I'm greater than Moses. I'm grateful that he taught you those great things, but you can't look to Moses to be your mediator. I am. Believe in the one that he has sent. Do you have inherited belief? Is that where your belief is lies, that you're cool with God because what used to be or what you were told? Or have you come to meet God face to face and you believe on your own? The second one I would call is this intellectual belief. This is where you kind of know the facts about Jesus, the logic about it. In fact, look at verse 30. They say this. Well, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe? What will you do, Jesus? Show me what you're working with, right? Come on. Let's go. What do you got? What can you show us? This is a group of people that says, I won't believe until I see it. I've got to see it to believe it. And so many people have this intellectual belief until I can see it, touch it, tangible, figure it out logically, then I won't believe it. Prove it. Prove it to me. As if it's not by faith. 
You know, last night I was having a conversation with my sons. We were sitting there and, and we was talking about how belief. I was talking a little bit about belief and we kind of got on this, the Big Bang Theory and evolution and all this stuff. And, and I, I took a picture. I had, a, I had a, a, a clock my wife had sitting over here. And then I just said, kind of went for my clock and I went to my Apple Watch. I said, how sophisticated is my Apple Watch? And they said, man, it's pretty sophisticated, Dad. I mean, it could do anything. It can like, it can like track my heart rate. It can tell you my oxygen level in my blood. I mean, right now I can get a text and tell me. I mean, if it phone rings, it's probably gonna be my mama because she calls me all the time and so mom's gonna call and then I, I can see pictures that pops up of my kids like I took like 10 years ago that's kind of crazy like it, it's amazing what a watch the power of what's in this watch it says pretty sophisticated right like someone created this and made it awesome right and they're like yeah dad it's, it's just sick it's awesome I said imagine if I told you this imagine I told you there's this big old explosion that happened in our backyard and I went out to the backyard and laying in the middle of the explosion was this watch. And during that explosion, it all came perfectly together, worked everything together in order that it does exactly what it does right now. And I told you that because it blew up, this bang happened, I had this amazing sophisticated watch that works perfect to the T. Wouldn't that be amazing? I said, Dad, that's ridiculous. That's, uh, that's illogical. I said, that's what the Big Bang Theory says. That there was an explosion that happened, and all of a sudden, this has just happened. The earth is just tilted just the right on its axis that we don't burn, or just the right this way that we don't freeze to death. That we have a planet, that we have oxygen, that we could do if it have too much or too less, this would take place. That your body works the way that it works, all because of something that's exploded. And what I was trying to teach my kids, if there is a creation, there must be a creator. If the laws of everything, how it works, there has to be something behind it. It doesn't just happen. This doesn't just happen. But so many people say, unless I see it, touch it logically, and, can, and have it, and they'll say, well, I just can't do it because it's faith. <laughs> you put faith in everything every single day of your life. Like every time, if you, when you open up a can to drink something, you're gonna have trust and faith that it is what it is, right? You practice faith. Every time you sit down in that chair, you practice faith. None of you turn that chair upside down and examine to make sure it can hold you. You, you trusted it. We practice faith all the time. But this group of people says, no, I want to intellectually, until I see it, I will not believe it. But then some of you, guess what? You do believe it. You'll sit here and say, you know, I, no, no, this is, God did create all this. And I do believe that he sent his son. And I, I do believe that's why we celebrate Christmas. And I do believe he got up out of the grave, which is why we celebrate. I, I believe that. I believe the facts. But just because you agree with the facts doesn't mean you're saved. And so many people are in this boat right now. They'll say, oh, oh yeah, I believe. Oh, oh yeah, I believe. Yeah, he is God. Absolutely, he's God's son. I, I believe he died. I believe he even got up out of the grave. I, I believe that, honey. I, I believe that. Like, logically, you got the facts. But it hasn't transformed your life. And I'm afraid so many people are in this intellectual belief they do believe. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, in fact, you could quote scriptures with the best of them. You know the truth. You even got the facts of the truth. You even know the facts. I mean, you know that's why we're here celebrating Christmas. You know the facts. But do you have it, the right belief? What if I told you this morning that Satan and all the demons were gonna be in heaven when you get there? You would say, well, I don't know where you're being, Pastor, but that's not what I've been told. But what if I told you that? John three sixteen says, whosoever believes will have eternal life. James, the half-brother Jesus, writes in James 2, verse 19, that even the demons believe there is one true God. Yet they shudder when they just hear his name. They, they're monotheistic. They believe there's only one true God. They, they believe the, 
exactly what the Jews would believe. They believed in that. But they shudder when they hear the name of Jesus. But the Bible says, whosoever believes will have eternal life and be with Jesus. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, even the demons believe. So if the demons believe, but then Revelation 20 says that they're going to be cast into the lake of fire of hell where they will burn for all eternity. If they believe, yet they're going to spend eternity separated from God, then my question is, then do they have the right belief? And what I'm afraid of, he has lied to so many people. They've inherited a belief. They intellectually, they believe, yet they have the wrong belief. And they will stand before God someday and say, God, didn't I do the things you wanted me to do? Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I give? Didn't I serve? Didn't I tithe? Didn't I, didn't I do the things you want me to do? And Jesus said, it's not about doing. It's about believing. And you had the wrong belief. Because you believed and put your faith in works, trying to be good. It's exactly what's taking place in John chapter six. Show us, let us work for it. What's the work of God? And what does he say? You must believe. 20 years ago, I heard an old preacher say, so many people are gonna die and go to hell and miss it by 12 inches. And I always said, what do you, what do you mean by that? He said, because they believed here but they didn't have it here. They had the intellectual belief, but they didn't have it here in their heart. And so the question then, what is the right belief? Because I don't believe any of you here, watch online, I don't believe any of you here saying, whoa, man, I wanna make sure I get that right. Like, I don't wanna have the wrong belief. Then what would be the right belief? And this is a belief that I wanna call an intimate belief. This is an intimate belief between you and God. This is a life-altering, life-changing belief. Jesus says this is the work of God to believe the one who sent. And then verse 35, he says this. I preached on this in the I am statements back in this fall. But he says this, right? He says, I am the bread of life. Remember, he just fed them and they thought that they could keep feeding him and manna from heaven, all this stuff. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. I've told you, you have seen me, yet you still, you do not believe. So what is this right belief? This right belief means to this, here's what it means. You hold on to something so tightly that it's so true. You believe in something so much to, to an unbelievable degree that it radically alters and changes your life and you don't care about the consequences. When you believe something so strongly, it will radically alter and it will radically change your life. If you say you believe and your life has never been changed, you have the wrong belief. Because when you believe in Jesus, truly believe it changes your life. It radically changes your life. When I gave my life to Jesus, I don't go to the place I used to go. I don't say the things I used to say. I don't even watch the things I used to watch. I don't listen to what I listen to. Why has my life changed? Because my belief changed. And it radically altered and changed my life. I don't care about the consequences. I don't care if you make fun of me. I don't care if you laugh because I don't go watch those movies or I don't listen to that music or I don't watch those things. Or I don't do the things of the world. That's okay if you make fun of me. Well, I don't care about the consequences because it's changed my life. That's a faith, that's what an intimate belief. And so many people, especially in the American church today, say they believe, but it's never changed their life. Because if 87% of people said they believe in God and it would change their life, could you imagine what our world will look like? 
So many people say they believe. But they have the wrong belief. And today, I wanna make sure that you have the right belief. Why? Because Christmas is for everyone. Whosoever. Whosoever. That is your, your kids, your spouse, the family you're gonna hang out with this week. Listen, it's even for your worst enemy. For whosoever works for it, mm -mm. for whosoever goes to church, for whosoever ties, for whosoever just be a good person, for whosoever, and you fill in the blank, no, no. For whosoever believes, because Jesus knows if you have the right belief, you will have the right heart, and the right heart will lead to the right actions. It will change the course of your life. So my question is this morning, do you have the right belief? You know, so many people, and you'll see signs, and I understand what they mean. I'm sure I've said this too in my past. I, I, I get it. So I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or talk bad about Christmas, but so many people will say, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I wanna implore to you this morning that Jesus is not the reason for the season. You are. We wouldn't even have this season. If yet while we were sinners, so far away from God that he sent his son. And the only reason why God sent his son was for you and for me. And so the reason we have this season is because you and I were so far away from God and God knew that we would never be good enough with our inherent belief, with our intellectual, we got the facts, he knew that. So the only way for you to come and spend eternity with me is this what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna love you so much that I'm gonna send my only son, that whosoever, good people, bad people, in between, doesn't matter, whosoever would repent of their sins and believe, just believe, the right belief, an intimate, life-changing, life-altering belief. You will have eternal life. So Paul writes to the Romans, if you wanna be saved, listen to what he says. He says that if you confess with your mouth, I've, I say this almost every Sunday, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, watch this, believe in your heart. Believe in your heart. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. But look what it says, then you will be saved. Now, I know I've said this before, but I'm gonna say it again. Paul, when he wrote to the Roman Christians, there's only one Lord in Rome. His name is Caesar. And when Paul wrote that, and the Roman Christians read that and said, if I do what you just told me to do, I will die. Because there's only one Lord in Rome, and it's Caesar. So Paul says, you say you believe? Let's put your belief to the test. Because if you truly believe, it would alter and change your life. Stand up in Rome. And I'm gonna confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Not secret, not hide it. And they knew that was a death sentence for them. In fact, history says that they would march Christians right in front of Caesar and said, now confess who is Lord. 
And you know what the Christians would do? They would turn their back to Caesar and they would look to the heavens and they would say, Jesus Christ is Lord and instantly killed. One by one, they would line them up. Do you believe only when it's comfortable, only when things are going right, only when the preacher tickles my ears and tells me things I like to hear, only when life is good, only when everything I like to find a church I wanna be in and everything's fluffy for me and the kids' ministry's great and all this stuff. We're so consumerized by church. We won't stand up in the workplace for Jesus. We won't stand up in our world for Jesus. We won't stand up to our country for, like where we are, what's going on? Oh, but I believe. Do you have the right belief? I'm afraid so many people have the wrong one. And as long as God gives me breath to be your pastor, I'm gonna do everything I can to make us heaven as much as crowded as we can to say, make sure you have the right belief. I can't save you. If I could save you, folks, I've already would have saved you. I can't even save myself. But when I finally got the right belief, because my eighth grade year, I walked an aisle and said a prayer, and I believed intellectually. But I didn't have the right belief. My senior year in high school, I walked an aisle, said a prayer, was baptized, checked the card, got my Bible, read my Bible, quote scriptures. Two months later, out living like a hellion again. Why? Because I had the intellectual belief. I knew it, but it never changed my life. Until I was a junior in college and I finally grabbed the right belief. And that belief has altered and changed my life forever. I'm a completely different person because of that belief. That's evident in my life that God has changed me. I want you to have that same belief. Jesus wants you to have that same belief. John says in John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent him, who believes in him who sent him, Christmas, who believes in him who sent him, has eternal life and they will never be condemned. Why? Because they have crossed from death to life. And that's what I want for you. That's why I hope you have the right belief. I'm gonna ask if you would just to bow your heads just for one moment. Christmas is about love. God loves you so much. Christmas is about giving that he gave his only son. And Christmas is for everyone. Whosoever will believe will have eternal life. And I don't want anybody to leave here, the Ashland campus, the Grayson campus, watching online or whenever you watch this not to experience eternal life and have the right belief. So let's just do what Paul said to do. If you will confess with your mouth, if God has spoken to you today and you realize that maybe I have the wrong belief or hey, you know, I'm gonna make, this, I'm gonna make it the right belief. I'll, you know what, that's kinda, you're talking to me. Because I do have all the facts, I got it, but man, it hasn't changed my life, hasn't changed my thinking, hasn't changed anything I do, it hasn't changed me. But today's gonna be different then do what Paul says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. But that's just too easy, Pastor. I mean, don't I need to work for it? Don't I need to be good? Don't I need to try and, and like punish myself for all the things I've done? No, Jesus took your punishment. But that's not fair, that's called grace. That's how much he loves you. 
So if that's you right where you are right now, you could just pray with me. Saying a prayer will not save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart declares that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe it, I mean truly believe it, that it's gonna radically alter and change your life, then pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, I'm gonna repent of my sin. And I will put my faith in you. Now help me, Jesus, follow you the rest of my life. Because I believe. Now if that's you at any of our locations or if you're watching online, you can obviously put this in the chat. I wanna know so I can just pray for you. I'm not coming to embarrass you, but I just wanna pray for you. If that's you and you say, Pastor, I just wanna let you know. Today I changed the right to the right belief. I got it now. And today's gonna start the new day, I believe. If that's you at all of our locations, doesn't matter where you are right now, if that's you, I want you to do me a favor. I just want you to just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I prayed with you and gave my life to Jesus. Come on. Anybody else? And we're gonna pray for you and we wanna follow up and we wanna help you take your next steps. So we have a next step area of all of our locations where you can take next steps and talk to someone. Even online, let us know we have a next step and we can chat with you and help you. Because following Jesus is all about taking next steps and we wanna help you take yours. Father, we thank you so much. That God, even when we blow it, that you never turn your back on us. Like God, even when we substitute things and we try to put our faith in other areas, God, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And you give us second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And God, I'm just so, so thankful that today we have the opportunity to shift our belief. It's our choice. And so this week, Lord, as we go and say we believe in you and we celebrate you, may our lives reflect that. May our words reflect that. May our attitudes reflect that. May our behaviors reflect that. God, if we truly believe it would radically alter and change our life, that we would have an intimate belief with you. Father, thank you for sending your son. As we celebrate this season of all these gifts, may we never miss the greatest gift that was ever given. And that was your son to us, to give us the greatest gift that we cannot earn, and that's salvation. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Put your name we ask and we pray, amen.